Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the MJ Cast. It's Saturday, the 11th of July, 2015, and we've got a great show for you guys planned today. We're going to be talking all about brand new Michael Jackson footage that's come out of MJ rehearsing for Billie Jean on the 30th anniversary special, new photo sets that have come out from Michael's official photographers from the 1970s, and even more recently, the Munich Memorial Petition, the Michael Jackson Estate's fourth accounting report, the unfortunate and recent death Death of James Horner, composer for Captain EO, Janet Jackson releasing a brand new single called No Sleep, the recent sale of the Neverland Valley Ranch, and also we will be announcing the competition winners for the book Michael Jackson Innocent. The following is a presentation from the MJ Cast, the internet's premier podcast on all things Michael Jackson. You're listening to the MJ Cast. By MJ fans or MJ fans. The idea is to uh, ask why, why am I doing it? When I create my music, I feel like an instrument of nature. You let it create itself, really. I know I do. And I love to entertain. That's, that's one of my favorite things. <laughs> I love my fans. Just simply Michael Jackson. Welcome to the MJ Cast, your source of news and discussion on the King of Pop. Uh, that's uh that's a really good uh rendition of our theme song there q <laughs> um nope no 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 <laughs> uh so let's well, let's do something a little bit different today let's kick off the show with uh how people can find us they can find us on the interwebs with all of the cats and the yummy food pictures and stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we are on, uh, of course, our website is themjcast.com. We're on Facebook as the themjcast. We're on Twitter at themjcast or twitter.com slash themjcast. We're on the Instagrammers as themjcast. We're on Tumblr, which is themjcast.tumblr.com. We are on the YouTubes as plus the MJ cast and you can email us like people have, which we will be discussing some of those today, which is the MJ cast at iCloud.com. Do it because we love attention. I'm still learning how to use Tumblr. Yeah. You need to learn how to do the hashtagging because you don't know how to hashtag for shit. What do you mean? I've put the hashtags at the end of the post. You're doing it wrong. Well, how do you mean to do it? With commas and stuff down in the actual hashtag place not in the main post part is there a hashtag place yeah are you doing on the ipad or on like a device or are you doing it on a computer on my mac i don't even, is that like a burger no not a big it... mac a macintosh oh, like a okay. like an apple mac i'm going to be trying out some new catchphrases today so yeah like what, what? Can... michael on well you've just spoiled the whole gag now <laughs> Fuck, man. Well, I'm sorry. I, 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 didn't, I didn't know that was the one you were going to try, but okay. Cat's out of the okay. bag. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Jacob. I was going to try and build that up. <laughs> or pie. Sorry, Jacob. Oh, man. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Well, there's my one joke of the show gone. Oh, sorry. I, I, okay. All right. Well, <laughs> I suck. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> awkward. Uh, basically... We the first thing that we got to talk about today is some great new new footage that's come out of Michael. Have you have you seen this the the Anthony King um, footage that's come out? He's put out a blog or a vlog, I should say, um, where he's actually talking about Michael rehearsing for Billie Jean at the 30th anniversary special. 
No, I haven't clicked and watched the the Billie Jean footage yet. But um, big shout out to uh, Anthony King. He's awesome, and he started following us on Twitter. And I was like, oh, this, this like because I knew we already followed him on Twitter. Yeah. And how um, I actually had. Have you you knew who Anthony King was is? Well, I know that he's like a dance teacher at something called yeah. London's Pineapple Dance Studios. Yeah, that which is a cool name. Pretty um, awesome. I had forgotten. I sort of had Anthony King in my head, but I was like, oh yeah, I know who he is. And but then I'd forgotten that he was the guy that had put all these cool like learn to dance like MJ. DVDs out. Oh yeah, that's right. The instructional ones. Yeah, like they started a long time ago, and I'd sort of forgotten that was the same guy. And then when I realised, I was like, "Whoa, that's whoa! He's following us on Twitter. That's so cool." And no, he has an incredible blog. So, um, but no, I haven't watched uh, this little bit of footage yet. Oh man, it's it's really cool. I mean, like, I mean, I gotta I gotta say, Anthony King, he is an absolute legend as well. Like. He, you know, he does so much. Not only does he put out these vlogs and he's a dance teacher, but he's also an author. He's put out a book. He's, like you said, put out these DVDs. He's a media personality. He'll go on the news and talk about Michael. He did a lot of great interviews after after Michael actually passed away. He talked a lot about This Is It um, on the news. Great interviews. Uh, and he, whether like, um, I don't know if you know this, but he actually co-choreographed Thriller Live. I think I did know that. How crazy is that? Yes, like, and shout out to Thrill Alive, which is awesome. Still have to see it one day. Hopefully it'll come. I really hope it does come back to Australia. I saw they've just announced they're adding some new songs to the show, in, especially in the opening and stuff. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. That's really not, cool. Not a lot like new, new songs, thank God. But um, <laughs> like Human Nature's one of them. And um, oh, yeah, so there's good. some you know some golden oldies in the show now. Oh, man. One day I'll see it. Yeah, so basically he's um he put out this video. He's somehow got footage um like of Michael rehearsing Billy Jean from the 30th anniversary special, but not the actual whole song. Just the starting bit where he comes out with the you know where he's got the like the little briefcase and does the click yep. and the light comes on and that whole skit the skit thing that goes on before the um the song. Yep. Well, it's it's Michael rehearsing that, but it's really funny because awesome. he, he's got this like mini briefcase it's like a tiny little it looks like a toy one like a lunchbox <laughs> yeah he's like walking around with a lunchbox <laughs> oh god it's so funny uh but yeah so it's it's just cool that he's got and he's also like this is the same guy that a couple of weeks ago put out the photo of michael and whitney houston rehearsing yes. one day in your life yeah i so, didn't see that that was a bit of a scoop i know so like lit up a lot of rumors that one Oh, man, this is the thing. There's been so many rumors getting around over the years about Michael not being prepared for 30th anniversary special and people saying, oh, he didn't rehearse, he just turned up and did it. And that's why there was some mistakes going on here and there in the show. But this is this is totally refuting all of that. It's clear that Michael did put in effort with rehearsing, um, as you can see from this. The, the, the new pictures that came out recently, which we'll talk about soon by Hamid Maslahi, the photographer, brilliant photos of Michael rehearsing. So it's clear that Michael put effort into these shows. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I recommend that you see it. Any Anyone who hasn't seen it, really, it is absolutely great video. The thing that Anthony King's so good for is that he doesn't just like, he won't just have a YouTube channel that he puts new footage on randomly. He actually embeds that footage within a vlog. So he'll he's so knowledgeable about Michael's live performances he will deconstruct the whole performance and talk about it all around that video that he's put on. 
yeah, he does some great posts. Oh, there's another one I watched yesterday. It's like ridiculously good. It's um, what was it? It was Michael's performance for um Bill Clinton at that Democrats uh yes fundraiser thing in think of what year was it? Two thousand and two or something like that. I can't really remember, but yeah, yeah. it was around then. And he did Dangerous and Heal the World in Black or White with Dave Navarro, the guitarist. And like obviously, we've only ever seen the footage of the Dangerous portion of that um of that that show, but. Anthony King, he goes into so much detail about the rest of the performance, talks all about it. Uh, it's incredible. He talks, he, he deconstructs it to the point where he talks about like any little mistakes that might be happening or just, yeah, it's amazing. Really cool guy. Um, he's got a show coming up actually. Uh, so his website is, I think it's, by. it's uh, anthony-king.com. So head to that. That's the official website of Anthony King. Do and then do Americans know what a hyphen is? What do they call it? I don't know. I think they call it a dash. I'm not sure. What? It's a hyphen. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he has a show coming up uh, at the Bloomsbury Theatre, 15 Gordon Street, London, in central London, which is two minutes from Euston and King's Cross stations. Uh, and it's a tribute to Michael Jackson starring Anthony King, 7 p.m. showtime on Saturday, the 12th of September. And uh, buy tickets exclusively from bloomsbury.com. Uh, they start from £21.50. So check that out if you are in London because he would put on an awesome show. But, yeah, please head to his website and have a look at his awesome blog, anthony-king.com. And then you'll be able to see that footage that Jamin just told me about. All right, guys, let's cut to an ad break. We're going to hear from our friends over at Dr. Pepper. For Dr. Pepper, hear the Jacksons featuring Michael Jackson. Drink Dr. Pepper and I'm proud. I used to be alone in a crowd. But now you look around these days. There seems to be a Dr. Pepper craze. Alex Dijon, I think that's how you pronounce it. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Photographer for Michael Jackson in the Jackson 5 era has published some brand new photos. Uh, really brilliant photos. I was really excited to see them because this is an era that I don't know a lot about in terms of Michael. So being able to see photos from that time was really cool. I put in a great article by Time uh, if you head over to time.com. We'll actually put a link in the show notes to the exact article. Uh, but basically some new photos went up there of Michael and the Jacksons uh, from that era, from the Jackson 5 era. I think they're from the really early 70s or the early yes. to mid 70s, I think. Yep. Um, by the Haitian-born photographer uh, Alex Dijon. 
And he, he actually originally met Michael, I read, at a film premiere for a movie that I haven't seen called The Jackson 5 in Africa. I didn't even know that existed. No. Is that like a documentary or something? Might be. I don't know. I'll have to do a okay. bit more research into it. But anyway, that, that there was a premiere for that movie in the 70s. Alex Dijon went, took photos of Michael. Obviously, that's how they met. And he was already well-known for photographing Aretha Franklin and Stevie Wonder and then uh, quickly developed a close friendship or relationship with Michael. And this this article on the Time website goes into detail about how this guy knew Michael, what he thought of Michael, how that relationship developed, and then how Michael came to trust him as a photographer. And he started, yeah, there's about 15 photos on the site from that era. There's some really yep. cool ones there. And of like the, there's like, I can pretty much see most people in the whole family. I haven't seen Catherine. I think I've seen Janet. There's a great picture of Reby. Um, God, you know they're all so young back in the seventies. Oh, absolutely. Even and Mike... they're not—they're not all from the same day. I'm noticing some like Michael's hair is like really softly curled, not like as a as an afro. Um, and there's like there's little Randy and stuff. And <laughs> yeah, then they're very sort of not posed photos. They're very no. raw and just yeah, it's really cool to see this um color pictures from this era. It's really cool. That's what I liked about them is the fact that they're so raw. Like there's ones where Michael's sitting there looking bored and yep. like, <laughs> and I like that because it's like in the moment of whatever's happening there. Yeah. Uh, really, really special photos. So, I mean, the, the actual, when you go to the Time article, it says on there that the Jackson, at the time when they, these were published recently, like whenever it was, a couple of weeks ago or something, that the Jacksons hadn't even seen the photos. Oh, oh, wow. Well, they they, they sort of actually look like private photos, not like for a press thing they sort of look like this is a photographer just taking photos for him yeah really. that's that's what actually i was thinking when i was looking at him i didn't i didn't feel like the jacksons had got him and said hey we want you to take this photo set for us that we're going to put in a magazine or something it, it wasn't orchestrated it was like here's a guy that we trust and like he happens to be a photographer just hang out with us for a bit very cool check it out hamid moslehi Interesting guy, another photographer. This is our, our second uh, bit of photography news for the week, but uh, Hamid Moslehi, I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm not sure. But he, um, yeah, he, he first uh, met Michael around 25 years ago in Rome. Oh, that's what his website says anyway. And he's a pro professional photographer. But I think judging from his Facebook page, he might be a little bit more than a photographer as well because he put a picture up recently of him operating a camera on stage at the History World Tour next to Michael. Oh, he's one of those dudes in black running around. Yeah, he's one of those guys. But he's also a, like a still photographer as well. And this guy, he like, I mean, I don't know how, but I hadn't heard of him up until like two weeks ago. I'd never heard of this dude. I've heard of other photographers that had worked with Michael, like Harrison Funk and these kind of guys. Never heard of Hamid. Uh, but he's come out and said that he's actually worked on Michael with around 40 to 50 projects in total, including, get this, filming the Arvizo family for their segment in the Living with Michael Jackson rebuttal film um, that never actually came out. Like their segment wasn't included in that famously. And, and that was like some of the big um, testimonial stuff that happened in the mid-2000s trial. But he filmed that segment. Yes, I just read that chapter in the book, the uh, Michael Jackson Innocent, 28th of February 2005, book one by D. Francis, that we will be announcing the winners of that competition later. Um, I just read that chapter, actually. So I 
yeah, if I'd started this book a little bit earlier, I would have known a little bit more about him. But yeah, he filmed um, and it was around Michael and the ranch and he filmed the family for that segment, which was ultimately not included. No, but I mean, like how, how crazy it, how, how all these like things interconnect. It's like nuts. But um, yeah, this guy, like he, 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 he's recently put on his website, like a section about Michael Jackson and all the, and all, I guess like the, the photos that he thinks are best that he took over the years of Michael. And there's some outstanding ones on there. What, what have you, what did you think of them? I really like that you rock my world shoot one where it's just Michael standing on the left of frame and there's the red curtain behind. Oh yeah. That's amazing. That's a beautiful a, photo. A really pensive Michael sitting on a um, rock fence in Neverland looking, just, just thinking and stuff. Um, there's, yeah, he's like a lot of these photos are stage photos, like show photos, like during Billie Jean, um, Madison Square, the 30th anniversary Madison Square Garden shows. He did a lot of photography for that. The Dangerous Performances. So, yeah, he's covered some pretty big shows in the career, even the United We Stand shows. I think that was what these photos sort of were like. Wow, he got a lot of great photos from the United Stand concerts for the September 11 uh, fundraising for the victims. And, yeah, because we don't really know much about those shows. So that was really cool to get a bit of an insight into that. But I think we were also super excited because we saw the photos from the rehearsals of the 30th anniversary shows in New York with Brittany as well. Brittany was in some of them. Incredible shots. Like I was blown away when these things came online because that was the first time this was before Anthony King put his stuff out. So I was like, holy crap. Michael's like really focused. You can tell how focused he is from the pictures from this rehearsal. Like, yeah, really exciting. And he, he he did um, some official portraits for um, Michael and his family um, when uh, Paris was born. Yeah. Uh, when Prince was a, a little little tacker. Um, so he's done. Yeah, he's obviously been around and was very close to the family. Um, and is someone I like when we learn more about people and we learn that they haven't come out and sold stories and mm. trashed Michael and tried to, you know, just do awful stuff to, to make money in their name for themselves that like, you can tell that this is a, a good bloke who's not into that side of the business and stuff. But like how easy would it have been for this guy to come out and say, here's like a book I'm putting out like a 30 page book, a photo book with little stories in it of these times and these photos, 50 bucks. Like, yeah, he could have done that and he would have made yeah. money, but he didn't. He put him on his website for free and is telling the stories on his Facebook. And what a legend. There's this gorgeous photo, which actually it looks like it's the same shoot as that Neverland photo I was talking about because he's got the same shirt and hair. And he's with um, Little Prince, who's poor. I'm not good at judging ages for kids, <laughs> but I'll say over one. And he's got um, a little bow tie on and Michael's got this red flannelette shirt on and a hat and just just holding Prince's little thumb and smiling (laughs) and looking not even at the camera. Neither of them are. And there's beautiful photos of Michael and Debbie and Prince and little baby Paris. There's some – it's so cool when you see these photos, all the different hairstyles Michael's had. Like it's from the curls to the – 
the sort of not curly but long hair and then terrible hair and then 30th anniversary hair. My favorite. Just saying. Which one's your favorite? 30th anniversary. Oh, actually, no, the curls are my favorite. The curls are my favorite. But like, you love the 30th anniversary. I love it. It's just like fresh and cool and like, oh, it was just so different to what he'd done before. And it was like, wow, that's cool. I like it. I remember seeing it and being like, that's so un Michael, but it's so cool. I don't know. It was very un-Michael. I was like, what are they trying to achieve with that hair? I don't know. I liked it. I don't know. That's just me, but yeah. I, I like it better than the... So there's... I don't know. I don't often like seeing Michael with short hair. Um, I prefer the long curls, but like uh, where I think short hair didn't work very well was the 95 MTV Awards. Get out. I don't know. I just... I like... I don't know. I didn't like that. Oh my god! I, that was short. Was that short curly hair? Short, short and curly. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. When oh yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna have to disagree with you there. That's no. That was one of my cool ones. I thought. I always came up with funny names for like when he did the. Oh, what was the interview with Lisa Marie and oh, Diane Sawyer? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. always called that the Brady Bunch hair. <laughs> it's grown on me over time, but at the time I was like, nope. <laughs> But it has grown over, grown on me over time. There was the You Are Not Alone hair. Oh, I like the You Are Not Alone hair. That's cool. I did. I, it was okay. I didn't love it. But, <laughs> oh, we could do a whole episode on Michael's hair. Haircast. We'll save that for another time. Haircast. <laughs> yeah. But check out these photos. Um, do you want me to give the website? Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, Hamid Mosley. So it's H-A-M-I-D-M-O-S-L. E H I dot com slash Michael dash Jackson. And there's the whole gallery of um, Michael shots. Um, but have a look at his, you go, go back to the home and check out others. Cause that's where you'll find the ones including like Brittany and stuff like that from the rehearsals of the 30th anniversary shows. I wonder if they were filmed. I, I think, yes, I don't think we'll ever see probably that footage but i'm sure someone would have filmed it he would have filmed rehearsals so he could know what to work on and stuff yeah i think that's how it works like performers film rehearsals that go back to the hotel room or whatever and watch it closely to see what they can fix and everything so i wouldn't be surprised if it was all filmed and yeah i'd probably agree with you that we'll never see it but judging by his kind of like state of mind in that first show i think it's september 7th or something like that like i reckon the the rehearsals judging by the photos I would wager that the rehearsals are a little bit more on point in terms of his focus, maybe. I'm not really sure. But that's September 7th show. That was what made you a fan. No, the, well, the no? actual, the yes, you're correct. The 30th anniversary concerts were what made me a fan, like watching the televised version of it. Yep. But I mean, like more just his state of mind in the first show um, that he did was like, yeah, you could tell he's just not focused in at all. So when you watched the show, mm-hmm. when it was televised, yeah. um, so you hadn't bought an album or even seen his videos before or like what was your oh. state before that? I, You know what? This is the crazy thing. I actually had experienced Michael here and there before then. Like I remember being like really little, like grade four or something and then going to a school disco and requesting Billie Jean. I remember like watching the stranger in moscow premiere on morning television in australia there's little things that i can remember here and there but i definitely wouldn't have classed myself as a fan at all like i just i wasn't um and in fact i think i was kind of like 
brainwashed a little bit. I was one of those guys that would say the plastic surgery jokes and all that kind of stuff when I was young. Yeah. And then like, kind of like, I don't know, like I said in, in the first ever MJ cast episode, episode zero, when I was like, uh, in 2001, when I saw the ads for the upcoming, you know, 30th anniversary special at that time, I was really into big world events like Olympics and that kind of thing. And I was like, this thing is on a scale. This is huge. I can't wait to see how big this is. So many guest performers and everything. And then when I watched it with my family, you know, as soon as the Jackson 5 performance happened, I was like, instant converted mega fan. Cool. Weird, but yeah, just like, it was like someone clicked their fingers and then instantly I was like, whoa, massive fan. Researched everything I could, downloaded everything I could, <laughs> joined forums, everything. I remember the telecast, like, um, and had been waiting for it. And after September 11, it was something good to happen for yeah, a change for us. Right. To, for this to be on TV. Um, and we sat, me, I think my sister was there. We sat in front of the TV and we watched the whole tribute section and everything. Um, and then when the Jackson 5 or the Jacksons and Michael, um, when they first did the horns blowing and <laughs> the silhouettes and stuff, I was just a bawling mess. <laughs> just all of the emotion of everything just was like the floodgates were opened and I was like, it was such a moment in history for him to be back on stage with his brothers. And yeah. it was awesome. The horns and the, the fireworks and it was awesome. I remember thinking that at the time, like just thinking this guy's gone through like 10 years of hell. He's gone through, you know, child molestation accusations. He's, you know, like the media in America, absolutely destroying him. Uh, and then he comes back in New York to do this show. Like I, I, I at the time really thought it was a triumphant return to performing in America after being rejected by the American yeah, media. Yeah, and the crowd was going crazy and it was awesome. Yeah. It was a celebration of him and his music and so worth it and so, like, so deserved. Absolutely. Really, really good show. I love it. And there was some, like, the little moments in it crack me up, like Chris Tucker's, like, yes. uh, comedy routine before The Way You Make Me Feel. I love that. I haven't watched it for a long time, actually. I should try and get some time to watch stuff like that again. I like the full version. I like, like, the three-hour one or however long it is, the one with all of the, like, it, you can't get it in good quality because the, the one they aired after he died, which is in 720p HD, like, that's a shortened version of the whole show, but the long one that's only around, I think in DVD quality has like all of these performers from, you know, Motown era doing incredible things like Al Jarreau doing the, the whiz stuff and man, some really good stuff there. I probably at the time put it on VHS, probably goddamn on long play, which was a thing back then. <laughs> oh, that was awful now. Um, but I don't know if I ever got a like copy on dvd or something but i've got yeah. a vhs i've got the original one on vhs and then in australia two weeks after the original three hour one was on oh, it might have been two and a half i can't remember but a couple of weeks later they had the britney spears one on really yeah they did it again they there was the popularity of the show was so high they actually re-aired it a couple of weeks later but they replaced the way you make me feel segment with the britney spears version I don't know if I remember about a second viewing. So I can't remember. It was a long time ago. I ate a lot of candy, which probably isn't good for my memory. <laughs> What's this Munich Memorial petition? So we got an email from Mona uh, and she's from Germany. 
and she loves the show and she emailed me about something um, which I wasn't sort of really aware of. One thing that probably from early on in the series that you would know is that I love my Michael memorials and Michael statues and stuff like that. So I had heard of the Munich Memorial, which is actually, it was a memorial for a, a believe it was a composer or something, a, a famous German composer. And it's outside a hotel where Michael used to stay at. So fans have sort of commandeered this other person's memorial as a makeshift memorial for Michael. And uh, they really look after it. And there's like always pictures and candles and stuff there. And especially for big events, they have like big events around it and everything. And, and they want to get their own memorial such as a statue and to achieve this to help achieve this they need to raise 5,000 signatures and they've got about half that so far so she she sent me a link about this with a website and everything and and I said oh could I talk about this um, memorial which I was happy to do because my dream one day one day somehow would be to get like a statue in Perth here he actually received the key to the city here in Perth Perth is where he came for his um sort of part of the contract to get to when he was buying the the, the catalog which included the Beatles music from uh, a local um, big name businessman at the time in the 80s and he appeared on a local telethon charity telethon on a local TV station at the time as well and then he'd visited Perth on a number of tours um, right up until the history tour so it'd be cool to get a statue here one day um, but so yeah I was like I think Germany is one of our biggest uh, audiences. Is that correct with yeah. our listeners? Just behind, it goes like US, UK, Australia, then Germany. Yeah, so that's awesome. So I was so happy to give a shout out to our German listeners. Um, and because they, I think Michael, I think it was clear that he adored going to Europe and, and the German fans when he performed there always treated him so well. So yeah, we'll put a, a link to this petition and spread it around and we'll put it on our social network sites as well so you can share it. But um, yeah, these people work really hard with this memorial and it'd be really cool if they could get a beautiful real like Michael memorial and then it would be good for this other bloke's memorial that he could have his own <laughs> memorial back. Thanks for letting us use it for Michael. So, so yeah, we'll put that up. So do our fans know what show notes are like i think the, i don't know i've always assumed yeah but... we've just i've just always assumed that as well so when we say we're going to put stuff in the show notes if you go to our website themjcast.com then like you'll see all of our episodes and stuff like that if you click on whichever episode down at the bottom you'll see all of these links and stuff so that's probably the easiest way that you can access our show notes is via the website, themjcast.com and just whatever episode that you're interested in or whatever we're talking about. Um, but then it's also on iTunes. The The purpose of show notes, in addition to being on the website, is that they come up when you're actually listening to the episode on, say you're using the podcast app on your iPhone or iPad, or if you're using a, you know, a pocket cast on Android or whatever, while you're listening to the show, you should be able to access the show notes right from the app you're listening to it in. They come up on your screen and then you can actually follow along as we're talking 
uh, you might see a link to what we're talking about and then you can click on that and it'll take you to the thing we're talking about. So uh, say, for example, we were talking just about those photos before. Uh, you could actually go to the website and look at them while we're talking about them. So that's the purpose of show notes. But if you want to access them a little later, like you said, you just go to the mjcast.com and we've got all of our show notes there ready for you to be linked to wherever you want to go. So yeah, we'll put this, um, we'll put everything we talk about in show notes. So this website, um, I'll put a couple of links. One's a, a, a German website, but if you scroll down, you'll find the English version of the text. Um, oh, and, is that what you have to do? So no, that's the website to get more information. Oh, I didn't scroll yeah, down. That's okay. Uh, and then there's a link to the petition, which is separate. Ah, uh, got it. Now I can so, see. Yeah, at the moment they've got uh, 2,531 signatures and we'll get up to 5,000 and we'll see what happens for them over there next. But it's always cool when we sort of uh, get pictures of a new Michael Memorial somewhere up in the world or a, a mural or something. I think there was a cool picture of a... Uh, mural in Auckland going around this last couple of weeks as well. There was one, um, didn't you see that the photos that uh, I can't remember which of the tea it was out of the three tea guys, but they were at the one outside the McDonald's in Europe recently. I think, was that on Instagram? I think it was Instagram. I think it might've been TJ. I think. And I think I saw that. Yeah. I really want to go there one day. They did some uh, great shows over in Holland, didn't they? Oh, man. I have seen some of that footage of them performing one of the Jackson songs. and Yes. Chills. Holy dooly. That's another like group that I are on my short list of people to see one day. I really hope they come to Australia. That would be cool. Yeah, they're great guys. Super great guys. Tarrell, TJ or Taj, if you're listening, we want you to come to Australia. And come on the show, hello. Yeah, as well, yeah, come on. <laughs> We'd love to <laughs> chat about, you know, your recent touring stuff and, and music and everything that you'd want to talk about. Any any or all of the 3T boys, we love you. And I've got some of their singles from back in the day. Like oh, do you? Yeah, CD singles. Oh. Yeah, they had some, they've got some really beautiful music. And oh. you can sort of tell they've learnt from masters, really, because, yeah, they've Beautiful, like, uh, songwriting abilities and melodies and harmonies. Oh, oh my God. It, and then that, that song with um the Michael song, which almost that didn't happen. Uh, why? Yeah. they. I think the demo, they were like, no, I'm pretty sure, I hope I don't get this story wrong. They were like, no, this isn't that great. And then Michael was like, hang on, we'll just do this and this and this. And then he gave it back and they're like, whoa, okay, yeah. <laughs> we see it now. We can see that this is an awesome song. Oh, they're, they're great. I love their music. We actually, Lee and I actually played one of their songs at our wedding. Oh, um, cute. Which one? Uh, I Appreciate. I actually made a video. I, I made like a video montage that happened during one of our wedding costume changes during the ceremony. And that video played for the audience while we were off stage. And it had, um, yeah, just like a video montage of, of, you know, Lee and I's relationship. And uh, it had, you know, that song going with it as well. It was really, I had a lot what of, kind of wedding is it. What kind of wedding was this where you had costume changes <laughs> on stage? Chinese wedding, man. You should see how big these things are. They're like, really? Chinese weddings are out of control. They're like game shows. They feel what? like, it feels like a game show. I'm not even Did joking. You spin a wheel? 
No, there's no, there's games though. There's not a wheel. We didn't have a wheel, but there's definitely games. Like it's kind of like it incorporates like elements of Western weddings. So it'll have like walking down the aisle and the whole ring thing, and you know, like it, it has the Western stuff. But then it's it's it has like whole sections of um like you have an MC on stage making jokes with you and like you know game show stuff and musical stuff. It's crazy. It's full on. Wow, I MC'd a wedding once. Oh, did you? It was so scary. It was my dear, dear <laughs> friends, um, Paul Black, Paul and Emily Black, and they asked me, and I'd never done anything like that before. I don't know why they thought of me first. Um, but, yeah, it was a beautiful, beautiful wedding. And uh, then at the reception, which wasn't exactly a small reception, um, <laughs> and, yeah, I was like the, the hosty dude. Oh, man, I, I couldn't do fun. that. There's, there's, there's some things in life I couldn't do. Skydiving is one of them. Emceeing a wedding is another. It was scary, but, like, it was like the, the DJ dude helped and, like, I had, like, a little musical introduction of which was um, it's sort of an instrumental bars from the start of a Kylie Minogue song. I think it was can't get you out of my head or something. And it was good because that made, whenever he played those few little bars, everyone would come to attention or return to their seats. And, and then I could, that was like the cue for me for my oh, next part. Wow. It sounds like yeah. pretty organized. It was very organized, which made, made it very easy. How, how did you go with the humor stuff? Like, did you try and, cause I couldn't, that's the bit I couldn't do is like being funny and getting a whole giant room of people laughing. Like, to know. be honest, I would have to probably watch a video of it because I sort of, like I just blacked out. Like I can't really remember the specific, <laughs> specific details. I was so nervous. Yeah, I think you would have done a great job, though. Oh, thanks, man. Um, all right. So, MJ Estate, the Michael Jackson Estate's fourth accounting report. It's a big one. It's a really big one, and it's something that, like, oh, it's a something that I'm not hugely an expert on actually, to be honest, but I think it's important that we talk about it because it's like a big, or not, a, I wouldn't say it's a big development, but it's something that I think is important for Michael fans that are interested in how his estate and how his, um, the executors of his estate handle the cash flow of his estate. Uh, and there's been a recent article go up on dailymichael.com uh, courtesy of Ivy. Uh, and it's uh, an article which, kind of goes into depth with the specifics around uh, the their fourth accounting report. So the, as far, like the way I understand it is that every year the estate are required to present their, I guess, their cash flow and their, um, their accounting details to the courts. And uh, you can, you know, obviously get access to that information, those court documents uh, by paying for them. And uh, what this person, Ivy, this fan, Ivy, what, what she does so well is, is she puts up um, these reports and documents on her website and kind of unpacks them in layman's terms so that fans can understand what's going on in terms of the legal side of stuff. Uh, and so basically this is their fourth accounting period since the executors took over uh, the Michael Jackson estate. Uh, and that information has now gone up online on dailymichael.com. Now, if you look through the uh, if you look through the information on there, if you guys follow the show notes and have a look at it, uh, you can actually see that it's uh, the reporting period. Sorry, the accounting period that covers January first, twenty thirteen, to December thirty first, twenty thirteen. Okay, so it's it's now a little while ago. It's about a year and a half ago, um, but it talks about the details of that. So where all their money went, basically. So there was a total earnings, uh, I believe. 
Oh, no, a total expenditure of over just over $8 million. $8 million, $151,308. Uh, and you can actually see where all of that money's actually gone. Uh, uh, there's actually a gross income of sixty over $67 million. So where all that money's coming from, obviously, are different things like album sales and, um, you know, like... Uh, Licensing yeah. for products and... Earnings from slot films. Slot machines in Vegas licensing oh, and stuff like that. <laughs> So basically, they're getting all this money, over $67 million, and then it shows you where that money's going. So there's transparency and clarity. So you can see from looking at it that Catherine Jackson, Michael's mother, was given uh, $1,200,000, roughly $1,200,000 in an an allowance, um, and so on and so forth. Uh, I think they got $369,000 was spent on security for the Jackson family and different things like that. So I think I think it is important to talk about this because quite often you hear people say, oh, well, the executives, they, you know, they only give very limited, very small amounts of money to uh, the Jackson family for whatever reason. That's kind of like a, I'd say, a myth that goes around the fan community. And this document actually shows that that's not true. I mean, there's obviously a lot of things that are questionable about the executives. Don't get me wrong. I, I have myself have a lot of questions about their authenticity as executives and uh, everything like that and their behavior and some of the things they've done since they've become executives. But I think it's, um, it is important to recognize as well that they are being forthright and upfront with the courts in where the money's actually going or, or some of the money's going, I should say, you know, $8 million, $8 million is only a small portion of that, of that, uh, you know, it's gross income of $67 million. Uh, Whereas the rest of the money, we don't know that's, you know, that could be going into a fund for the, um, you know, for the children, that kind of thing, like a trust. There's 51 pages if yeah. you go to the actual accounting document and it goes into such detail as uh, doctor's bills, uh, credit card bills, um, school school tuition, gas bills. It goes into 51 pages of detail and, yeah, there's too much to read and yeah that's yeah. that's the reason i like this website is because like that's way too much to read for regular people like even myself i'm not going to read through that many documents okay it's, it's it's full on but there's um just reading this one page website it tells you basically the important expenses um so for example it um talks about you know particular debts being paid as well that were owed by michael at the time that he passed and then the estate actually paying off those debts over time and which ones are being paid and for how much and all of that kind of thing so it is an interesting document especially for those of you who are interested not so much in like like there's things to be honest there's things in here that i think i don't feel fully comfortable reading like there's things in here that are i feel like private kind of things like it talks about how much money the estate for paid for prince's car and like like i don't really care about that sort of stuff but there's also really important information in here um, that tells you about how much money they earned from the film This Is It, for example, and where their money's actually being paid. So, yeah, there's some important stuff in here too. It'll be interesting to see the next one because I don't think this one really covers um, earnings from the, the Vegas One show. Yeah, that's right. I think that sort of starts around here. There's a, a bill for to get the family out to the show. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see the next one. And I, yeah, there's still so many questions that need to be answered, and to see what will happen with the two executors of the estate in the future. I, I see that they have applied to extend their executorship for a further twelve months. 
Yeah, that's right. There's a really good discussion going on at the moment um, on the Voices One Facebook page, actually, about uh, the long-term viability of John McLean and John Branker actually running the Michael Jackson estate and then what, what actually happens when some of the beneficiaries turn 18 and what they're able to do. So Paris turns 18 next year, I believe. Mm. Uh, and then that will mean that the majority of the beneficiaries of the estate are legally adults. And I believe that they might hopefully have some say in who the executors are. So I think the next 12 months will be very interesting for the state of the estate. Yeah. Um, and hopefully the IRS will do their due diligence and that will be fully public and, and expose a lot of stuff hopefully as well. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. Like one of my questions on that thread on the Voices One um, Facebook page was all about, you know, there's an interview, I think it was with Piers Morgan and Catherine Jackson came out on there and said, I think she was asked about uh, the executors and their legitimacy. And Catherine said, well, put it this way, um, they're just the executors. We are the estate. She said that her and the kids are the estate and that they're just the executors. And, like, to me, that read, like, she, if she wanted to, she could replace them because they're just representing her. Uh, but then in this discussion on the Voices One uh, Facebook page, um, some, I can't remember who it was. I wish I could remember, but they came back and replied and said that, well, there's like a clause that was, that was actually in the will that said that if um, the executors were actually challenged by particular people that were beneficiaries, then they were able to be removed as beneficiaries from the estate. And that's why they haven't been challenged. Um, because if, yeah, like if they challenge and fail, then they get removed as beneficiaries. So I know that, that there's that rule that lasts up until a majority of the beneficiaries are adults. And then I think it's a different game. So I don't fully understand these things 100%. Um, and I apologize to listeners for that because <laughs> I, I definitely think there's a lot more people out there that are more knowledgeable about this kind of thing than me. Um, but what we can do as the MJ cast is point you in the direction of um, people that do know a lot. And dailymichael.com is one of those places you can go. Uh, Voices One Facebook page is another place you can uh, you can you can try to access to get some information, but yeah, there's some definitely some good information out there. I don't think there's anything listed in this um, little report about any charity, like money going towards charity or anything yet. Yeah, that's interesting because like uh, like like what what we said before was there was so the total gross earnings was where is it? Um, gross income was sixty seven million four hundred seven thousand one hundred fifty six dollars. That was gross income. Expenditure eight million one hundred fifty one thousand three hundred eight dollars. In the whole gap, like they don't talk on this page on dailymichael.com. I haven't read through the whole all the documents, but uh, it doesn't really discuss in detail there about where the rest of that money's gone. So it might be charity, it might be the trust fund. We don't know where it's gone from that I'd page. I'd say legal. I'd say some lawyers' fees and stuff because obviously these like Branker's lawyers and like all his firms and stuff would be getting a lot of money from different endeavors that he's undertaken. And, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff happening and a lot of lawsuits happening and there's a lot of people getting healthy paychecks from all of that other money. Absolutely. And if you're, if you're a listener out there that is interested in this stuff and, and if you do want to wade through all of those documents, go for it. Keep us in the loop. Tweet us at the MJ cast. 
Um, contact us any way you want by email, themjcast at iCloud.com and talk about your findings. And uh, we'd love to uh, report that back on the show as well. With what you were saying, um, what we were just talking about within the next 12 months would be very interesting to see what happens with the two executors of the estate and then the actual beneficiaries of the estate um, and what will happen when um, Paris turns of age. Yeah. Maybe maybe uh, that has something to do with the timing of the Neverland sale because obviously the executors – um, have not put a they've not put a bid in or they've not not tried well we don't know but Cat, Colony Capital have put Neverland Ranch up for sale it hasn't been sold yet to my knowledge and maybe that's something that has to happen before the executives McLean and Branca maybe leave because maybe they want that to happen before yeah. they finish their job it's an interesting concept that they'd want to offload neverland before they it's possible that they will lose their position as executors uh i don't know what to think about that i look all i can say is it wouldn't surprise me because to be perfectly frank and honest and i know that i'm going out on a limb here and it's not something we've really done so far on the show so publicly but i am like i said i have a lot of questions around their authenticity as executors i always have um it's you know, especially when you look at the will, the signing of the will, it's impossible, physically impossible for that will to have been signed by Michael Jackson. He wasn't even in the place where that will, will should have been handed back. That will should have been handed back when Branker was fired by Michael in the past. Absolutely. So the will shouldn't have existed in the first place because when Michael was fired, uh, sorry, when, when John Branker was fired, it should have been handed back over to Michael's people or destroyed. Um, and, ev- and, and, and even if the will, you know, was legitimate, it couldn't have physically have been signed by Michael, so it's not it's not legitimate in my opinion. But I know we're going on a, on a, out on a bit of a limb there. But there's that whole side of it, and then even aside from the authenticity and the legitimacy of the estate executors, if you actually look at their behaviour and some of the things that have happened during their time as executors of the Michael estate, the products that have come out, some of the products, the questionable products that have come out. Uh, it is it is you know very difficult for me to to support them one hundred percent because I feel like uh, a better job in general could be being done. I am going to go out on a limb and say, for the products that they've put out um, in their time, the only two that I think have any um, long term benefit really are the Cirque shows. The yeah. two Cirque shows, the touring show, like obviously aside than they're making a shitload of money, which they have, I think they've definitely been the most profitable products that they've had anything to do with. Um, and I don't think they've had a lot creatively to do with them. It's a Cirque show. So the Cirque people and the creative team would have put these shows together, not the actual um, executives of the estate. They're just more the financial side of it. But I think as products, they have been hugely successful. And I think for good reason, because Cirque are the best people to do this kind of show to tribute Michael. I didn't see the immortal. Uh, yeah, I didn't see the immortal show, which we've spoken about on earlier episodes. But I did see the one show, as controversial it is, and I did love it. And I would see that show again. And I'm still waiting for that CD soundtrack, guys. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, out of all of the products, they're the only ones that I can really say I think have any long-term benefit for Michael's legacy and to honour his work. 
because I think that they they do. And I like when they when the immortal one was touring all around the world, like you would have had the same thing. People or cousins or colleagues or whatever would have gone to see the show, and they oh, yeah. all raved about it. Absolutely, and, like I and mean, it exposes them to Michael songs that they would never like, speechless and childhood that they would never have even heard, and that's a very good thing. It's a very good thing. I agree completely. I had people that I that I know that aren't really big Michael Jackson fans. They're just casual fans. They appreciate him, whatever. Went and saw the show, and have come back blown away, absolutely blown away. So it's uh, those Cirque shows have really served the purpose of um, introducing new fans to the world of Michael Jackson. I think they've done an incredible job with that for sure. Uh, so that's some of the products that they've done. Like even this is it. As controversial as it is, and as much as I now, in hindsight, disagree with the film actually existing, that at the time did really serve the purpose of introducing a whole lot of people to Michael Jackson. So they have, yeah. In it, to that end, they've done a good job. I the, definitely. The album and the music side, dodgy as fuck, and handled it poorly, as I believe. Yeah. Um. So I'm going out a limb, but you know, this is a show of. Uh, Jamin and my opinions and yeah we report on news stories but it's discussion and that is our opinions so you've got your own opinion and we respect that and but I'm just saying mine and yeah I don't (laughs) I'd actually think the only album stuff that I've actually paid for is the immortal soundtrack yeah back in the day I did have all of this is it stuff all of that is now packed away in a box so I don't have to see it anymore um but yeah some of the other stuff no way not getting my money for that stuff. I like Bad 25, except for the remixes. I thought, Oh, my God. I love the Speed Demon remix. I'm putting it out there. I do love that remix, but holy shit, those <laughs> other ones are terrible. Uh, what's the one with Pitbull? I not even. I don't know. It's awful. Is that the one with the pregnant for 10 months line? I don't know. Something like that. It's, oh, my God. It's so bad. It's, uh, li- <laughs> uh, totally bad. Totally bad. In a bad way. In a bad. bad way. Completely bad. Far out. We're going to talk about Neverland? Yeah, let's talk about Neverland. Let's. Oh, we've got a couple of other things, though. We've got... What? We've got James Horner. We'll come back. We'll, we'll, we'll come back. We'll save, we'll save some nice stuff for the end. Okay, sounds good. Let's do let's the Neverland Let's get the one. Neverland stuff out, because that's shit. All right, so... What's your opinion, dude? Well... How about we do the opinion? I'm going to just say my opinion first. We'll come back to the details in a bit. But I, I'm pretty... Oh, look, it's difficult because... All right. There's two different sides to the story. I can see both sides. Okay. One side is that Michael uh, in you know, publicly didn't really think of Neverland as home anymore after t- 2005. So after the, after the trial, after you know, he felt... I guess, rejected by the American uh, media um, and public to some extent. He left America and was traveling around the world for a very long time, uh, working on different projects, uh, a bit of a a vagrant for a period of time, him and his family traveling to the Middle East, to Ireland, all over the place. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure Michael publicly came out and said that he he really didn't feel like um, Neverland was a home anymore. He would keep it, but he wouldn't live there. And, uh, we also know from documents that have recently come out that Michael actually intended to sell Neverland in 2008. He had decided, oh, well, according to these documents, I should say. So, like, he had he had reached an agreement with uh, Tom Barrack's uh, co- Colony Capital that they were to um, own, operate, reposition, and sell Neverland, to quote it exactly. 
So we know that Michael didn't feel like Neverland was a home anymore after 2005. We know that he he intended, according to the agreement with Colony Capital, to sell it. So that's one side of the story. The other side of the story is that for a large majority of Michael Jackson's adult life, he treated Neverland as a home. He set it up as a beautiful scenic place that was like an amusement park and entertainment facility for sick uh, and dying children to come and enjoy um, in some of those terrible periods of their lives to enjoy the, the place, to enjoy him and to kind of recuperate. He um, Neverland was like a sanctuary for him. It was like a home behind the gates where he could relive and recreate a childhood that he never had. It was a beautiful location. It's a part of American history, a part of international history, really. And he used it for good. Everything that was done there was done for good, to help others. So it would make sense to me for it to be kept and preserved in that memory, even though that in the last few years of Michael's life, he didn't want to be there because of some of the terrible things that had happened. For example, the police raids and those kind of things. So there's two sides of the story. One is that Michael reportedly wanted to sell it anyway. So why shouldn't the estate be able to sell it now if Michael wanted to? And then the other side of the story is, well, for a majority of his life, it was a very, very important and special place. So it should be remembered that way. For me, I, I'm kind of in the second camp. I think that, yes, even though that in the last few years Michael didn't treat it like a home, that the larger picture is that it's a very, very unique place, a very special place where a lot of good was done. And in some ways, it's the physical... I, I think of it like the physical embodiment and representation in physical space of Michael's personality. I think that he said those pretty much exact words himself. Yeah, probably. Like I feel, I feel like he took his personality, and it's like an art. It's like a, a giant art form. It's like this is me as a place, and it's just beautiful and magical. And and you know, I get really upset when I think about it being sold uh, because I feel like it should be preserved and kept for historical purposes. And like, oh, yeah, like, but I, but I, it's not new to me. Like a lot of people are getting really upset now thinking how dare they sell this place and like this is as if it's new and they just suddenly plan to do it this sort of thing this behavior of selling michael jackson's uh property and historical items and objects this has been going on for years i first started feeling this way during the julian's auctions when they were selling his clothing and um furniture from neverland yeah they catalogued every single thing in that ranch and somehow thought they could then go and sell it all. Yeah. I think Michael had asked them to catalogue everything. They then went and made a humongous box set of books of every single item to sell for some reason until Michael sued Julian's auctions house to prevent them from selling all his stuff when he had not intended for that to happen. So, yeah, I mean, like, the thing is, yeah, the Neverland sale upsets me, but it's not new. I've been feeling this way for, like, four years that they're taking his private items and selling it. And it's just so weird because if you watch, like, there's, like, documentaries that have been put out. I can't remember what documentary it is. It might be Bad 25. I can't remember, but there's, like, footage of, um, of uh, Kath, oh, what's her name, the lady that, is like the archivist at the Michael Jackson estate. I can't remember her name. I didn't even know oh, I had one. Karen Langford, that's her name. And there's footage of her like in a big warehouse with like the Neverland gate thing and like all some of Michael's 
clothing and costumes and property in that warehouse. And she's like, oh, yeah, this is really important stuff and we're keeping it here and it's archived and everything. But on the other hand, they, like, take heaps of stuff and sell it. Like, it seems to be, like, a really inconsistent approach. Like, even if the stuff was for sale by Julian's auctions and the estate couldn't control that, why wouldn't they spend their million dollars and buy it? Their millions of dollars, sorry, and buy it back and catalog it? Like, this stuff is some of the most important stuff in musical history in pop culture history, it should be kept and put in some kind of a museum where people can come and view it and appreciate it, not sold to some, like, you know, multi-million dollar fat cats around the world that are just going to have it sitting in their, I don't know, living room. Wine cellars. Yeah, wine. Like, like that. that's not right. I don't think that's right. I think it should be kept and I think it should be preserved for, for others that appreciate Michael Jackson to look at and enjoy. So that's how I feel about the Neverland situation as a whole i feel the same way about that like i do the julian auction stuff i think that the the property itself should be preserved uh if nothing else than just for his children like really like i know that it's zoned in a weird way like where they can't operate commercial business out of it so they wouldn't be able to turn it into like an elvis style graceland tourist attraction thing like i know they wouldn't be able to do that i still have my questions though as to why they can't go to the um you know, like the council of that area and say, like, this is our idea of what we could turn it into and maybe we could turn it into, like, a, you know, a museum walkthrough thing where people can come and appreciate it. Um, that would certainly bring a lot of money to the um, to the, to the the county. Uh, but anyway, I know why they can't do it because of the zoning. But even still, I think they should keep it for his children to decide what to do with it rather than just sell it. I don't know. That's me. What do you think? I pretty much agree i don't think neverland should be sold at all i think it should not be changed its name to sycamore valley ranch like i don't understand the whole complexity behind the arrangement with colony capital and barrack that has led to this um i don't think it's been very clearly explained to um the public and to to us fans so we can't sort of comment too much on that because we don't understand why this is happening or how it came to be. The fact is they've put it up for sale. The fact is the executors have said that they are not able to stop the sale and they are not – They what did they say? They put some statement out that said it's not fiscally responsible for them to buy it. It is up for $100 million, which is quite – a lot and I don't know, if, don't know if that's mainly because of the size of the land but I do not want it bought by some wine company to turn into a vineyard and that's the end of it like that would be an absolute crime really it's it's a historic place in American history and hopefully you know a hundred years down the track, Michael Jackson will have um, the respect that he deserves for what he contributed to America, American history, music history, and and for what he stood for as a totem for world peace. So hopefully in the future, that's what he will be remembered as. And then they should have Neverland in his um, estate still so that that can be looked after and, and treasured. It's a national treasure. And like, I understand that Neverland now is not what it used to be back in the nineties, but it's still 
was Michael Jackson's Neverland. And yeah, he didn't live there for a long time after the uh, 2003 or so, but he did come out and say he would never sell it. He did come out and say that that is the basically um, the embodiment. We might even try and find that audio and pop that in the show, Jamin. Neverland appeals to the child inside of every man, woman, and child. It's a place where I feel that you can return to your childhood. Uh, you find grown-ups, you know, doing things they hadn't done since they were like 10 years old. And it's uh, just a fun, wonderful place to be. It's uh, so much to do. Uh, I always wanted to have a place where you're just busy all day and there's just uh, unlimited space to go on quads and mountains and horseback and all kind of fun things. So it's, uh, it's just a fun place. I love it. And I, I will always love it. And I will never, ever sell Neverland. Neverland is me, you know. It's, it, it represents the totality of who I am. It really does. I love Neverland. So there we go. And we haven't got, uh, we haven't got a recent statement from the beneficiaries of the estate, which would be Catherine and uh, Prince Paris and Blanket. We haven't got a recent comment from them, but the last comments and the last indications we had, which were only probably about a year or two ago, were that they do not want Neverland sold. They want Neverland so that they they had plans or they have they want to do something with Neverland in the future. So the actual beneficiaries of the estate, the last we heard, feel free to give us an update, guys. Um, they don't want it sold. And I think that their wishes should be respected because they are the beneficiaries of the estate. They are the estate. So why can't they have a say that, yeah, we want the money spent this way and buy it? So it's been refurbished and because it had been abandoned for a long time basically apparently it was in really bad condition it was like in disrepair in 2008 because michael hadn't been living there for so long but suzanne perkins of sotheby's international realty just came out and said that it's been looked after really well it's been restored so that it's looking amazing but even so like and i've heard that paris had something to do with the refurbishment and the the bringing it back up to it's like well looked after estate and repairs mm. done and gardens fixed up and everything like that. And everyone, I see something I, I always get a bit funny about is the, the amusement park side of it. Everyone mm. like shares photos of the amusement park and everything. And to me, that was the most insignificant part of Neverland. I understand it was there for um, good purposes and stuff. And that, but that stuff hasn't been there for years. Four years, like or many, not for the numeral four, but it hasn't been there for years. Um, so, like, they would never bring that stuff back, I don't think. And I don't think they need to bring that stuff back. I think that served its purpose, but without that stuff even, even if there was, like, a small animal sanctuary there, even if it was sort of like a national park kind of thing for the actual um, the valley itself, the lakes, the forests and stuff like that, I think bring that sort of stuff back and maybe somehow use that. But I don't think you need to bring the carnival rides back. I mean, I yeah, think- I agree. Like I used to, man, I used to like 
think about and fantasize about what they could actually do with it before I understood all the zoning rules. I mean, I thought how cool would it have been for them to like uh, put a museum there that fans could pay to come and walk through and see Michael memorabilia or like uh, expand on the theme park concept and make it bigger. So it's almost like a, like a Michael Jackson themed theme park. They could put a movie, a big movie studio there where they're constantly playing Michael Jackson videos and Captain EO and different stuff like that and turn it into like a big thing that people can come and explore and enjoy. And Something like that would absolutely destroy the natural beauty of it though. Yeah, that's right. Cause it's like, re- the yeah. amusement park was a very small portion of the ranch. Yeah. Yeah. And when I saw Neverland, the amusement rides were still there. Mm. That was back in 2007, I believe. Uh, we flew around it in a light plane, not over it. We flew around the, the perimeter of it. The ranch is ginormous, ginormous. It's a whole valley is the ranch. The house and everything is like amongst woodland and beside the lakes. There's other little bits, like not far from the houses. Um, there used to be uh, Indian forts and teepees and water water fight forts. Like so, you could go up in these um, red and blue side, I think it was, uh, forts and have water balloon fights and water pistol fights, stuff like that. And then at the complete other end of the ranch, there was carnival rides. There was the zoo, and then there was a train that went all around. So I think some of that stuff is still there, but obviously the zoo and the amusement park area is gone. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because I don't think that's what Neverland really was about. I think Michael went there because it was secluded. It was private. Um, It was very hidden away, even from the road, from the gate. You can't see a single thing. And the road out the front is like a single lane road. There's a school across the road. It's this very private sort of area. And yeah, the zoning is there for a reason because of the natural beauty of the area. And I'm just scared that it's going to end up like a, some winery or something. And then fans, I think there should be a place of fans. Pretend there is no zoning issues. Pretend they can uh, improve the, the sewage works and the roads and the safety around the area to get there. I think if there was no zoning issues, I think the most respectful thing would be one, a museum and there is plenty of buildings there that could be repurposed as a museum. It's got 22 structures. But they could even build something off-site. Like they could, you know, have a section. They could build a, you know, a building there somewhere away from the main areas. I, I don't know. Like this is obviously all wild. Even, yeah, up at the empty amusement park end, build a beautiful museum up there and then have the train go up there. So I would definitely have a museum. If they stop selling all the shit and if other people stop selling this shit, then put it in a museum and people can go there to see that. And people would come from all over the world. Oh, it'd be like a pilgrimage for fans. It would, especially for big events and big anniversaries. So I think there should be a place at Neverland with a museum. I think that they should not touch the natural beauty of the place. So leave it as like almost a national park. Maybe have some sort of animal sanctuary there for uh, sick animals or animals that need care and stuff like that. And then you could also, with all of those things there, they could still operate it as a place for charities to come to, to bring underprivileged kids to see stuff that they would not see in their everyday life, which is what Michael used to let charities do, bring busloads of sick kids and underprivileged children to the place to see stuff that they would never see, like animals and rides and beautiful things that they would never have the opportunity to see. 
So I think they could do that if there was no zoning issues or whatever the reasons are. And not only just make it a place for profit, but a place for to honour Michael, his message, his legacy, his history in the museum and his charity work and stuff like that. So yeah. if there was no issues, that's what I would do. I don't think it should be for sale. I, th- I think that the estate should be doing everything they can to keep it. I think in the long term, that would be beneficial for every reason. And yeah, I understand that they are a business and their reason for not being fiscally responsible to purchase it or whatever. Yes, on paper, that is, that's a business decision. And it does absolutely makes sense because even when Michael had it, it was not a place that made any money at all, but it was a home. So it wasn't, you don't, your family home doesn't make money. So why would his? Yeah, it's a. Oh, it's, we got everyone fired up, didn't it? Oh, I think we got a bit. It's it's really like an emotional situation, an emotional scenario because we know how much Michael was connected to the place, and we know how much as fans we are connected to that place. So, yeah, it is it is a, a difficult thing to talk about, and it is a connection and a, and it's an extension of. Um, some of the things we've seen happen in the past as well with his, you know, his, his clothing and, and different items being sold off as well. So, yeah, it is it is it is a big deal, but it's something that's important to unpack and discuss. And and again, if anybody's out there listening uh, that has thoughts and opinions on this, please get in contact with us. Tweet us the MJ Cast on Twitter. You can jump on Facebook and and have a look at our our Facebook page, facebook dot com slash the MJ Cast. Leave a comment on our, uh, you know, on the on the show post that we put up there talking about your thoughts about these issues because they are they are topical uh, controversial big issues and having the discussion about them respectfully is is really important for us as well as fans to process some of this uh, stuff going on i'm going to put out i i think a lot of people love looking at pictures of neverland i'm going to put out um one of my favorite sites i don't know if you've ever seen this site it's by enola lee.blogspot.com and it's uh, Nola Lee's Neverland for Michael for Love Forever. And it's basically a blog site that she has um, do, uh, dedicated to Neverland and pictures she finds and little videos she finds she puts up. And it's, I think, the best collection anywhere on the internet of um, place to go and look at pictures of Neverland and stuff and see how beautiful it was. So um, I'll give that to you, Jamin, so you can pop that in the show notes as yeah, well. let's do that. Absolutely. Sounds good to me. Let's do a music break. Tell me that you're doing wrong. Well, I shot getting all alone. Crying would be like a man. Throwing rocks to hide your hand. You ain't done enough for me. You ain't done enough for me. You are disgusting me.
Ladies and gentlemen, that was a track by Nick on SoundCloud. We'll uh, pop that into the show notes as well for you. So, yeah, there we go. That was Cool Mick by Nick. So, Janet Jackson, new song, No Sleep. How awesome. I love it. And, man, she is back in full force. This is it. She's. It's all happening. Like, uh, you remember that we did a show like a couple of episodes ago where we were speculating about her coming back? And then, like, literally within half an hour of us finishing that episode and halfway through recording another episode, the internet exploded because she did the official announcement for it. Yeah, and the music that I think she did in that was the instrumental from No Sleep, I believe. I think I completely wrong. But, yeah, it's a great song. 
I, I love it. I mean, it, it's gotten a little bit of criticism. There's people out there that are saying that no sleep's actually putting them to sleep, and that's a little bit boring. Uh, but It's a slow jam. It's a slow jam. It's not meant to be scream. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not meant to be like, you know, this amazing, huge club banger. It's, it's a slow jam. It's Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and Janet at their best. It is... You know, like for me, it's kind of like echoing that kind of Marvin Gaye style of just like multi-layered vocals over an awesome um, funk beat. It's just amazing. I love putting it on. I think it's a great song. It's exactly what I wanted, a mature kind of neo-soul sound. She's back. I hope so. I hope she's back. Like I've been listening to some of her other stuff and some of it's, uh, less memorable than others, but no, this is, it's got that old school Janet feel. Oh yeah, man. Which it's, is cool. It's, it's, that's the way love goes. That's yeah. That's... Very much so. Yeah. It has definitely got that feel. And uh, I mean, like we're, it's not just a new single. We're looking at a new era. We have got uh, a world tour coming up. There's shows sold out. Hawaii sold out. I think uh... they've announced a second or third show just in hawaii alone it's it's all happening we're coming into a new janet jackson era i can't wait this is going to be like i'm going to see her live for the first time uh if she comes to australia which i'm I'm sure she will she'll come she comes to australia all the time yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna be there and uh i i can't wait it's it's really exciting we'll uh we'll put a link to the show notes uh, again for the no sleep uh youtube single so you can go and have a listen to it as well and enjoy it uh but yeah, recently also she performed on the. Um, sorry, she didn't perform, but she uh, she spoke. She she received an award on the 2015 BET Awards. What did, what did you think about that perform uh, that that appearance? The tribute. Did you watch the tribute? By, yeah. Uh, was it Ciara? Yeah, I watched. I did. I watched the whole. The whole thing goes for like 15 minutes or more. It's Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis on stage doing like video introductions and talking about Janet, which is so hilarious and exciting. That's a really cool part. Then it's the Ciara tribute, which is awesome as well. I mean, how good's her dancing in that? They're not like easy moves either. No. <laughs> yeah, that's full on. She did some incredible Corey in that. Yeah, and she like, it was. it's so obvious that she's inspired by Janet as an artist. And so she paid tribute in a really awesome way. And then to top it all off, Janet comes on stage and is looking like she's walked out of 1994 or four or yeah it's like girl doesn't age she's oh. beautiful looking absolutely radiant and stunning and just the beautiful jackson aura about her just so deserving of the award and gorgeous sweet little speech she did loved it yeah and just dedicated it to her husband and it was just so special and like I, I just can't wait. I mean, I cannot wait for this album. I can't wait for whatever statements she's going to make in the album, in the lyrics. I can't wait for a tour. I can't wait for it all. Just just bring it on. No, it's going to be very exciting. It's going to be cool. And, you know, Janet, show them how it's done. Like we've had, yeah, we've had some big names lately. But, yeah, Janet is like a pioneer. And, yeah, she's going to show them, remind everyone how it's done. And, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how this era pans out and I look forward to hearing some new stuff. Yeah, me too. I'm looking forward to the music videos too. I mean, we've got no sleep as a single, but is that going to have a video or is it more like just a radio single? And I don't know, but we'll see. We will see. So we had a bit of uh, sad news as well. Uh, Last week, didn't we with uh, James Horner, uh, the composer for Captain EO, 
uh, unfortunately passing away? I was pretty heartbroken actually because um, I love, I have a huge variety in musical tastes and part of that, a huge chunk of that is music scores from films and he has done countless films like i'm trying to quickly just bring up some of the films that he's done and he's like most well known for uh like just for example um titanic he did the the score for titanic avatar uh, avatar i've got so many of his cds in my music soundtrack collection and i was pretty heartbroken because he's one of the most talented composers at the moment for sure and this is a, a big loss to music but he worked on the score for uh captain eo and if you've been lucky enough to, to experience that attraction the music is a obvious other than michael's music the actual music of the attraction is a big part of it and i my find of the week so this is this is leading into my find of the week my find of the week is to honour James Horner with a project that um, a great website put together. The project is the E82 project presents Captain EO the complete experience. In lieu of Disney, in lieu of the estate not putting any Captain EO stuff out, this incredible website has put together a, basically a concept album of the complete Captain EO experience. So it's like a little mini sort of album. It has uh, main tracks are the Overture, the Cosmos, Captain EO, which is like the show itself. We are here to change the world. Then there's uh, an instrumental of another part of me. And then there's a funny little mix of Change the World, Tomorrowland 2055, which I don't know if Disney actually ever used in the parks. But so it's like a little concept album on uh, epcotlegacy.com and we will link you to that and yeah i think that's a it's a good way to to honor james horner it's always good to talk about captain eo because it's awesome and fun and uh a great film and a great attraction from disney so and it's going to be uh coming back briefly anyway for for the time being back to the uh journey uh sorry the imagination pavilion at the epcot park in uh, Walt Disney World, Florida. So at the moment, that'll be the only Captain Neo around for now. Mm. But yeah, so uh, Epcot Legacy is a terrific website that for me, uh, my other passion being um, Disney and Disney Parks, uh, they put together some really awesome like musical compilations because like the estate, Disney are not great at putting out... Um, music that fans actually want so as disney fans we would pay quite handsomely or even a police just charge us regular money for <laughs> park park audio show audio and background music that they use in attractions and parks which you could walk around those parks and not even sort of notice specific music but it adds to the entire experience so uh, epcotlegacy.com Part of their um, incredible website is putting together these concept albums. We we're very lucky that at some point he's gone and put together this incredible Captain EO um, album for us. And yeah, obviously uh, some of the songs actually are from Michael albums. So We Are Here to Change the World was released officially on the Ultimate Collection, 
Yeah, that's right. Beautiful box set. So obviously another part of me also was released as part of the Bad Album um, and it's an awesome song and that's been, you can go and buy that as well. But here's all the instrumental stuff as well that you cannot buy anywhere and it's some really great atmospheric music just for background or whatever. So yeah, my find of the week is the Captain EO Complete Experience from E82, the Epcot Legacy, a beautiful website which um, you can also support by donating to like I always feel like yeah that's great that we're getting this uh, opportunity to have this music for for nothing but I'm quite happy to donate to this website because they do incredible work and um, I would have bought a Captain EO album anyway and if they did release Captain EO stuff officially I would then go and buy that officially and give money for that completely so but yeah I was happy to donate to the E82 website for this awesome Captain EO concept album yeah, it's definitely really well uh, worth listening to. It's incredible. I've listened to it as well. Actually, Q, you gave it to me uh, a few years ago uh, as yeah. a CD, as a, as a gift. So <laughs> thank you for that. That was my first yeah. introduction to it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I was listening to it again yesterday. And for me, uh, the most special uh, track on it, I love Change the World, Tomorrowland 2055. It's a three-minute 14 uh, track right at the very end. It closes it off. And it's kind of got uh, elements of Michael's We Are Here to Change the World, like the melody incorporated in more of a James Horner instrumental style. And even just the overture at the start, the track called The Cosmos, Captain EO, all of this music, its it really reminds me of, um, it's, it's very futuristic. It reminds me of some of the stuff that you hear in the film Blade Runner. Uh, its It's got a lot of futuristic synth sta- uh, sounding introductory uh, music it's it's beautiful uh it's definitely a, a product that i think all michael jackson fans should engage with and enjoy because this is a part of michael's vision uh from the mid 80s with the film work he was doing with uh, george lucas francis ford coppola and of course with james horner it's absolutely brilliant thank you q very good find of the week yay shout out to uh epcot legacy they're on twitter as well at at epcot legacy and i love your work and i'm so happy that i could be able to share this i've been actually had this up my sleeve as my find of the week right from day dot when (laughs) we started the show i've still got some stuff up my sleeve i haven't pulled out as my find of the week yet but this was definitely something worth sharing um i love the art and the music from this website so happy to share it with you all finally did you want to play any of it, Jamin? Yeah, let's... Uh, let's do a little bit. We've, you've heard some of it as I've been talking, but here's another little bit. And then, Jamin, after that, you can share your find of the week.
Okay, there's a, a very special track from the Captain EO The Complete Experience album. My find of the week is uh, another podcast. It's a particular show on another podcast. It's not actually connected to Michael or Janet Jackson, the actual show. It's called The Kelly Alexander Show uh, that can be found uh, on iTunes and also at kellyalexandershow.com. What they did is uh, they did an interview with a particular choreographer. Uh, just on episode 287, very long-running show, uh, May 28th, 2015, they did an interview with Tina Landon, who was a choreographer for the Scream music video. Basically, they put it out, Tina put it out as a uh, 20th anniversary of Scream celebration kind of podcast interview, and it is exceptional. Uh, basically, as you know, Scream was the lead single from the uh, mid-2000s, uh, sorry, mid-90s, uh, Michael Jackson album history. Uh, the song was released on May 31st, 1995, and had a beautiful, probably my favorite actually, Michael Jackson video uh, directed by Mark Romanek, amazing director who also worked on other films. Uh, I believe he did One Hour Photo with Robin Williams and some different ones like that. But incredible guy, great video, and great choreography. The song was co choreographed by Travis Payne, Lavelle Smith Jr and also uh, Sacha Lukashenko. But most importantly, actually, I, I feel like probably one of the, the most important people in terms of the choreography was Tina Landon. And as I said, she's come out and done this fascinating interview, and it goes right into the technical details, right from the rehearsals uh, of the song uh, and the choreography to the final performances given for the music video. She talks at length about the creative process between the choreographers, uh, Michael himself and Janet. It's just great. It, it, she talks about how uh, different Michael Jackson and Janet were in terms of style as dancers and how the choreographers needed to negotiate their different styles to create the finished product. There's some excellent, I won't give away any details, but there's some excellent kind of like tidbits um, of Tina's recollection around interactions with Michael and Janet uh, being at Janet. Uh, beach house at Malibu and talking with her about the song and talking with Mark about his vision for the video Uh, there's lots of information about Michael being there watching the choreography giving feedback um, and just interacting with them rehearsing the choreography with Janet really really good interview this the the person who does the interview um, goes into the same level of depth that Q and I like to go into when we do our interviews. It is an hour long. It is detailed. You are going to come out feeling nourished and understanding everything about the process behind uh, the choreography for the Scream music video. Brilliant stuff. I want you to check it out. Go to the show notes. Uh, We'll put a link in there to the Kelly Alexander show, uh, and you'll be able to hear that interview about Scream. Do you you remember when Scream came out as a single? Nope. Not at all, because I was like... Can I tell you a funny story? Yeah, yeah. Getting ready for school, I would have been about um, 95, year 11, that would have been, in school, giving away my age. Um, (laughs) So getting ready for school, I had a stereo in my room, and in the morning I would like, um, I believe I would go and have breakfast and then do my hair and everything after that. So I had the radio playing in my bedroom, and I was in the bathroom just up the hall, and doing my hair and I could hear something in the background and I was like, what is this song? (laughs) What is this song? Holy shivers, this is Michael, what? It was the radio premiere for Scream 
And I didn't know it was coming. I just had the station on. I don't know if all stations were doing a premiere at the same time, but I had just heard this sound. And I was like, like that beat of scream with like the, the crunchy techno, the beat. And I was like, this is incredible. And then the vocals were obviously awesome. Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson. And I was just, my head exploded in excitement. I was so excited to hear this awesome song. I couldn't believe that I'd heard it. I possibly had even a blank cassette in the stereo and quickly hit record <laughs> and caught like the, the two thirds of the song or something. And uh, then the, the radio DJs, the breakfast show hosts were talking about it. I remember they said some awful joke about that was Latoya in the background rattling some chains. <laughs> Um, I always remember that terrible <laughs> joke. <laughs> um, but I was, yeah, that's how I first heard the song Scream on the radio. And I always remember that because it was such a sort of um, just a, I don't know, is that serendipity when moment like everything worked in the right time that I was had the radio on, had it on that station, had it on at that time, was like just getting ready for school and I heard it. And then I could pick out in my mind that this is something awesome and knew Michael raced into my room and listened to it. It was really cool. Awesome story. Very, very cool. I, I love the song too. I love the sound of the smashing glass. I love the message in it, the anger, the frustration. It was, I think it's just, it was the coolest way for Michael to come back after very much 93. So. So. Great lead single for history. Um, and then when the single came out to buy hearing that, and <laughs> of course he says he drops the F bomb. Yeah, And we had never heard him swear, let alone the F-bomb. So for me, I was like, no, he's not swearing. He's saying funk. <laughs> yeah, he's saying funk. I'm just going to skip back a bit and listen. No, I've got to check this out again. I think for like half a dozen times I skipped back. He's like, Did I, he do it? I, I was so disbelieving that he would actually swear and say the F-word. Oh. I was so happy that he did because the anger was like palpable oh in, it's in the, yeah lyric. you can't fault him for swearing in that moment it's like no but it was such a mind-blowing moment for us as fans that he's actually dropping the f-bomb and i was like no 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 he's saying that he's saying funk surely but yeah that was a, that was the first time i heard the cd single of it which has got some pretty fun little mixes on it as well and childhood i think too didn't it yeah childhood was the b-side so it was actually um they're like mirror images i think um Sill wrote a beautiful post. I can't He's all of his stuff is beautiful and so well written and exactly the stuff that I wish I could say so eloquently. But yeah, childhood is like the, the mirror image of Scream because Scream is about what he went through and his anger and frustration and injustice. And then childhood basically is his, and I think Michael said that was his most autobiographical song. And for me at the time, it was so sweet it gave me toothache and it's so uh twee and just cute that at the time it was such a juxtaposition from the actual track scream that i don't know if it got the attention it deserved but the the vocals in childhood the lyrics in childhood the story of childhood is so perfect and so beautiful and so heartfelt and so honest that it definitely was one of the tracks that grew on me over the years and is now definitely one of the standout Michael tracks. Absolutely. It's uh, so poignant. There's some audio that leaked recently. Oh, actually it leaked a while ago. I think a couple of years ago of Michael actually recording that like uh, in the, in the uh, studio, in the recording booth, actually doing the childhood vocals. It's really incredible. To that hear. was, um, 
that was sort of secretly recorded and leaked in one of those music seminars with um, the producer that he used to be able to play. Oh, with Brad Sunderberg. Yeah, Brad Sunderberg. That I think, sadly, some fan ignored the uh, the the notices about not recording and stuff in those seminars, which people pay money to go and see, um, and they leaked it that way, which oh. I was really upset about. Definitely. Because in that case, that I was all. I was going to say, I'll put it in the show notes, but in that don't. case, I'm not going to put that in the show notes. No, do not put that in the show notes, but if you get a chance to go and see the Brad Sunderberg seminar, you should. Definitely. It would be worth like, hearing it from... I don't know if he still plays that snippet or not, but um, just regardless, the, that fan shouldn't have done that, really. No, I don't that's think. really bad. I mean, like, Brad offers a uh, musical and uh, live kind of experience seminar where you can engage with that material and ask about it and talk about it, and that's where it should be. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think Charles, Charlie, uh, actually went and saw that recently and had some great things to say about it as well. Yes. So, yeah, we'll maybe get an update from Charles about that. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Um, I don't know. It would cost a lot of money to bring that to Australia. Still should come, though. Come on, Brad. Come to Australia. We're a good bunch <laughs> of people. <laughs> um, all right. So, we got some what thank next, yous. What man? We've got some thank yous. Already? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Is and that our... Then we'll do like competition-y stuff. Oh, I forgot about that. We've got the competition. All right. How about we do the competition now? Let's do that. Oh, okay. So you, you introduce it. I will okay. fire up the uh, the app. Okay. Make sure this is on silent so it doesn't play the stupid music. All right. I'll let you introduce it and I'll get the app fired up. Okay. So we did a competition for an incredible book uh, written by D. Francis. Uh, the book is called Michael Jackson Innocent. And I don't know the rest of the title because there's like a really long subtitle thing. But basically the gist of it is that it is a well, – it's like book one in a series that's coming out. And it's uh, – this series aims to document uh, the goings-on of the mid-2000s trial, the child molestation trial that Michael fought and won against. Uh, he was vindicated from uh, on June 13th, 2005. And, and D. Francis is, uh, has a, a career – in the legal world herself and uh she has access to all of i think she's bought really all of the court documents to do with the uh with the trial and she's and she's written this uh incredible book which uh, actually goes into detail about the trial itself and what we have done in collaboration with d francis of 13 uh, june 2005.com is put out uh, a competition for fans to, to enter. And people have uh, written in from all around the world. Uh, they could have either uh, retweeted our Twitter link, they could have uh, commented on our Facebook post and shared that, or actually commented on our blog post on the mjcast.com to enter. And we've had a lot of fans enter talking about that they needed to, if they commented on our website post, they had to talk about Michael's vindication and what it's meant. And we've had some incredible responses there that I've loved reading. And we've had a lot of people enter. Q, how many people have we had enter total? Uh, I think it was valid entries. I think it was 215. 215 valid entries from around the world. People really jumping on board with this one. And today, in just a few minutes, we're going to give away three of those books. We're going to randomly draw out of the hat. Well, not an actual hat. It's an iPad app. Uh, (laughs) It's a hat on the app. It's a funny top hat. Oh, it's actual top hat. Yeah. 
<laughs> so we put all the names into this um, digital top hat, uh, all the entries. Some people have more than one entry because they've commented on the website post and shared it on various platforms. So uh, we're going to draw out three of those names. So how about we get in there and, and, and choose our first winner? Okay, so I'm drawing the first name now out of the top hat. Keith Webb on Facebook. Woo! Good job, Keith. So our first winner was Keith Webb of Facebook. Okay. Good job, drawing Keith. Drawing the second prize winner. Louise Barrett, who entered on our blog post, which gave entrance two entries. So congratulations to Louise Barrett. And drawing our third prize winner. On Twitter, That Tall Bird. So they are our three prize winners for the D. Francis softcover book that she will send out to you. So since we've announced your names now and we'll contact you on your various uh, platforms as well, you've got uh, two weeks to, to contact. Um, I'll, I'm going to say contact us and then we will pass your details along to D. Francis. But if we do not hear from you, we're going to have some backup prize winners, which I will record now, drawing three backup winners. So anyone that doesn't contact us and pass along details, then you will not be getting your prize because we've asked you to. <laughs> so we will have some backup winners as well. That's right. So, Jamin, we're going to draw th- backup names now, and then you will keep those on file for when you need them, if you do need them, okay? Sure, thank you. So we're going to do a couple of thank yous and shout outs now. Um, Obviously a huge thank you to D Francis for not only um, giving three books uh, up for the competition um, of her Michael Jackson, innocent 28th, February, 2005 book one, it is going to be the, the, it's the first book in a series of books. So huge thank you to D Francis for those three books and also for sending Jamin and I a copy of the book as well. I am halfway through the book now. It's full on. It's a heavy read. I have to say like there's a lot of awful details which were talked about in the trial and and stuff like that. And it's very, uh, in some ways quite hard to read such awful allegations and details, but um, it's a beautiful book to hold. I love it's a beautiful cover and I love holding it. Um, so on Twitter, that's at 13 June 05, but D Francis, huge. Thank you. Thank you for so much for uh, like supporting the, the competition in such a huge way, not only obviously sending the books, but sharing it everywhere and anywhere that you could and your little, your little YouTube blog and everything. So huge. Thank you. Much love. Go and get the book. It's on Amazon rate and review the book and get the word out. Cause it is a great book. Another huge thank you, Jamin. It's one of our favorites, as are on Facebook. Great guy. He's awesome. He sent me some really nice messages in the last few days talking about how much he enjoys our show. As is a legend, he contributed to our last show. Uh, he put in an audio snippet talking about he his did. experiences. Uh, on... That was an incredible story, actually, and what a great accent to have in oh. the, the fan submissions, too. Awesome guy. We love you, Azar. Keep listening. So also... Sarah Angus from uh, Adelaide, South Australia. 
we'd like to shout out to you. We know you're one of our biggest fans and listeners. So thank you for all your support. Uh, also another awesome guy in Australia actually is Jacob. Jacob, you gave me my, and all credit to you, you gave me my little uh, catchphrase, Michael on to compete with Jamin's keep Michaeling. So Michael on. <laughs> Can I, Jamin, how come we are not pronouncing your name? Jamon. Jamon. Because it sounds like Shamon. So I why know. can't we, we should say it's in Q and Jamon. Jamon. Ow. We do that. Um, so yeah, Jacob, thank you for, I'm stealing and credit to you though. Michael on is my new little catchphrase because I love it. And I love hashtagging it when I thank people for like following us on Twitter and using it on the internet. So Michael on Jacob and all the best for your upcoming uh, trip to the US too. Okay. Uh, last thank you is Miss Island on Twitter. Thank you so much for all your support. You're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere. I think you're one of the fans uh, of our show who interact with us on every single platform that we have, maybe except Tumblr. So yeah, thank you for promoting us, getting the word out and being such a loyal listener. You're awesome. I think um, Miss Island was one of the first people that did your little wallpaper that you put up this oh, week. Oh yeah. We've had two submissions of those. Jump on... Um, yeah, the mjcast.com slash wallpaper. And uh, we actually made a wallpaper set for computers, tablets, iPhones, everything. What we'd love to see you guys do is download that wallpaper. Um, it's the official MJCast wallpaper. Download it, put it on your device, take a photo of your device somewhere out and about in public, wherever, sit into Starbucks with your MacBook, get, some, get our wallpaper going on there, take a photo, show us. Uh, we'd love to see that. We'd get a really big kick out of it and we'll share it all around the web as well. So I hope you guys enjoy enjoy that wallpaper. Yeah, you did a good job on that. I'm so glad you can do technical stuff like that. Uh, it wasn't that hard. Just yeah, it I... is for stuff like me. I don't even know <laughs> I don't even know how to make a meme or a GIF. <laughs> isn't a it GIF. isn't it GIF? I think the proper pronunciation is GIF. I don't know. Your head's a GIF. You're a GIF. So we had a great episode. 25th of June episode, we had a huge thank you to guest Darren Hayes, obviously, who was on that, but also huge thanks to our people that sent in audio submissions that we could use because that made a very moving episode. And I'm going to come out and say, I'm going to be honest, that episode, I had some doubts about how we'd put that together and if we were doing the right thing. I don't know if you felt the same way. I'd like, like, a, we obviously wanted to honor Michael for that, but. We didn't want it to be a downer. Like I felt I was worried it would be too negative, like especially. And the then last I was time, worried but... it was going to be too positive <laughs> as well. So it was a very yeah. hard balance. I think we, I think we, we did it right though. Like a lot of people have enjoyed it. I haven't got any negative feedback. Everybody's been over the moon with it. So I actually listened to it twice myself because I was so entertained by uh, listening to how awesome Darren is and his great answers to questions and learning from him, but also the stories shared by other fans really helped me and um, could relate to so many of those. So that was really good. So if you haven't yet, check out our last episode, which was the uh, episode with Darren Hayes for the 25th of June anniversary. Absolutely. We've got another anniversary coming up, uh, August 29th, Michael Jackson's birthday. Yay, uh, love birthdays. Yay. And what we want to do is actually have another section on that show with more fan submissions. What, so, Q, do you want to tell the audience what they can record and submit for us? So I think a lot of people, rightfully so, celebrate Michael Jackson's birthday. And it's cool hearing about the different things that people do all over the world, locally for Michael's birthday, for events and celebrations. So 
if you are having like a little get together with fans in your town, um, something like last year in Perth, we had um, a little tiny get together up in a, a hall where uh, one of the fans had actually made a beautiful, beautiful birthday cake with a glove and a fedora on it. And we had our music playing and we did like a little quiz and there were some prizes and stuff. And there was also some little bits of merchandise that we could bid on in like a little auction. Um, And because there was hardly any people that worked out, basically we were just buying this little merchandise stuff and the money was going, went to a telethon charity, I believe it was last year. So a lot of people probably do stuff like that in their towns. And we would love to hear say, how many minutes, Jamin? Like four minutes? Yeah, it can be a little bit longer than last time if people want. Maybe four to five minutes. Four to five minutes, a little audio submission. Email it to us at the mjcast at iCloud.com and just tell us basically if it's a group, the name of the, the fan group, uh, and some contact details so that anyone in that area can join in and celebrate Michael's birthday with you. So yeah, a little bit of publicity for little local fan birthday celebrations. Absolutely. And we'll put that, those audio snippets out on an episode before August 29th. So people are going to be able to hear that, learn about where those little celebrations are around the world, hopefully get in contact with you and then join in. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Celebrate Michael's birthday and him as a person. Like this is the one time that we can all really be happy and celebrate. And it's not like a, it's a, it's a happy, awesome time. So yeah, let's share that and get celebrating for Michael's birthday. You know what we've got to play on our August 29th episode? Happy birthday, Lisa. You got it. (laughs) That was a guess. (laughs) Oh, we totally got to do it. Such a good song. I like the, you know, I like the version that's actually Michael, not the one in the Simpsons, like the one, the the demo from the, the dangerous era. Well, I'll let you find that and arrange that. And as we start planning that episode, <laughs> that'll be cool. Awesome. All right. Well, that's, uh, I think that's a, that's a wrap for episode 12. Uh, again, thank you so much for listening, guys. We really appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. We love it that our audience uh, listener base is growing week after week. Uh, we've got nearly a th- uh, t- nearly 2,000 likes on Facebook. We've got nearly 1,000 likes on Twitter. Uh, the MJ cast is going, getting stronger and stronger every week, and it's all thanks to you. We absolutely love it that you're engaging with our show. We hope you have a great week ahead, and, of course, keep Michaeling. Michael on.